You might not have put two and two together or realize that this podcast, it's actually produced by a nonprofit, listener-supported Wyoming Public Media. We're just a little old station housed in a basement on the beautiful University of Wyoming campus. We aren't getting paid big bucks as a for-profit business. No siree, we're making this podcast not for money, but because everyone on our team believes in what we do, telling the missing stories of the real American West. But that means we rely on people like you. If you make sure to download every episode as soon as it comes out, or have been telling all your friends what a big Modern West fan you are, or would be seriously bummed if we disappeared from your feed, If all that describes you, I wonder if you'd take a quick minute to do something for me. Get into your browser and search for themodernwest.org and find the donate button. It doesn't matter how much you commit to, $5 or $100. It just matters that you show us that you want us to keep telling these stories. My recommendation? Pause this episode and do it real quick before you forget at themodernwest.org. From Wyoming Public Media, this is the Modern West. Stories to match our scenery. I'm Melody Edwards. And I didn't know it was going to go this far. Um, I had the American dream. I was a coal miner. I made $75,000 a year. I built my own house. It wasn't a white picket fence. It was a chain link fence. But I had... I had it all, but there was that knocking on my heart, and it was like, someone needs to step up for Lodgegrass. Growing up in the tiny town of Walden on the high plains of Colorado, I remember going to see Disney movies in the town's beautiful old movie theater. In the summer, I'd ride my bike to the toy store that doubled as an ice cream parlor for a mint chocolate chip cone. My dad played guitar in a country band most Saturday nights at the dance hall. But all those things, the dance hall, the toy store, the movie theater, they're all shuttered now, and even my elementary school is gone. I moved away for college and career, but for my classmates who chose to stay, the question always nags. What can you do to help your hometown when it starts falling apart? And what's the goal exactly? To try to recreate the past or to imagine something entirely new? Reporter Catherine Wheeler brings us the story of one man who's trying to figure out answers to those questions for his own hometown of Lodgegrass, Montana, on the Crow Reservation. I drive up to a generic city hall building. I walk past the bullet hole in the window as I step inside and finally sit down with the man I've been waiting to talk to. Hey. Hi. Is Quincy here? Hello, my name is Quincy Dabney. I am... The mayor of Lodgegrass trying to rebuild a city, start all over brand new, and make it the crown jewel that it once was. That was an excellent Lodgegrass is right in the middle of the Crow Reservation, just off Interstate 90 and between Sheridan, Wyoming, and Billings, Montana. In the 1920s, buildings started going up, but the town couldn't do much without incorporating. So in 1927, Lodgegrass made it official, and it transformed this town that didn't really know what it was to the place to be on the reservation. 
Quincy tells stories about what it was like back in the day, like the memories are his own. I guess a little bit before my time, stories of people going to vacation. And when you got back, you knew, you didn't even have to ask, you just told your neighbor, hey, I'm going on vacation, how long you be gone? Oh, probably about a week, two weeks. And they would literally mow your lawn and just take care of everything. Like it was the pillar of the reservation. It was the it was the jewel. That's that's all I hear from the elders. And they're like, man, this was the place everyone would come. Ranchester, Dayton, everyone came to Lodgegrass. It's a town you can get a thorough tour of in less than ten minutes, but it had forty five businesses at its peak. I asked Quincy to take me to his favorite one. So this is Cozy Corner. This is the spot. And Quincy shows me around the place. This is the owner's house. Um, The entryway was to the east. And let's see, right here was the ice cream machine. And then behind you is all the tables and chairs. And then the penny candies were right here. And then she would stand behind, and then she had shelving behind her, and then we could pick out other stuff that we that she wanted. And the kitchen was here. Yeah, and there's like a wall here, and the kitchen was here, and then they would cook. And we would order. <laughs> Every Tuesday before catechism classes, he'd run down to the store with his friends. He'd throw down a dollar on the bar, and he'd order a hundred candies. 25 Swedish fish, 25 watermelons, and so on, all put into individual bags. Then he and his friends would go down to class, eat burgers at the family cafe, and run around and ride bikes until the town's curfew alarm rang at 9 p.m. To Quincy, the cozy corner is the center of what Lodgegrass is. And as we stand at the store corner, Quincy points out all of his memories. That empty spot on the right side where that car is, where the stop sign is, yeah, that was all. The pumps were not too far from the hydrant there. Two pumps. Um, I remember when I was younger, I had a flat tire on my bike. So I walked it over, and this was the uh, family cafe. And this blue, that's the movie theater. And they turned it into a church. Last two movies I watched there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and The Bear. Quincy grew up as the white kid with a blonde bowl cut in a Native American community. He isn't Crow, but he remembers learning about the tribe's story. As the uh, elders came in and told stories when everyone else was running around and not paying attention, it intrigued me because I knew I wasn't Crow and I, I was like, man, your people did this and your people did that and then eventually your people became my people as I as I spoke and I was like I'm crow I just they're amazing people I always I like to say uh I may not be crow but I have crow stamped on my heart but as Quincy's best days were swirling around him lodgegrass was slowly changing into something else businesses started packing up and leaving Kids didn't want to take over the family business. The buildings people couldn't sell, they left unoccupied. Quincy figures he was about 13 years old when the cozy corner had a series of break-ins. He says the owner was tired of it and shut the place down for good. And I remember the, the parents kind of had 
like a meeting and they're like, you know, hey, what's going on? Who's who keeps breaking into this? Someone's got to be parenting their kid. You know, someone's just absolutely neglecting their kid. This is going on at two o'clock, three o'clock at night. We had people that had tried to join in the effort to rebuild the, the business and they would put money into it and get it off the ground. But then they eventually just burned that one down. When Quincy and I stood at the cozy corner, we were standing in an empty lot. There were grass and weeds growing through what looked to be a small cement foundation. Just past the chain link fence, there was a disheveled house next door where Quincy says the owners used to live. Then in 97, when Quincy was 15, the last and only police officer in Lodgegrass was fired. Quincy says all he can find left from that era is an old police badge. Drugs, mostly meth, started coming into Lodgegrass. Around that time, Quincy knew of seniors doing meth while he was a sophomore. And then it just sort of spiraled from there. Lodgegrass today? Weeds are everywhere. Most of everything is overgrown. Buildings are shuttered. There are junk cars parked in lawns and in the street. Trash is scattered around town. The Census Bureau puts Lodgegrass's poverty rate around 55%. Quincy says it feels more like 70. About 250 people live in the city limits, with about that much living just past the boundary. There are only three businesses, a small grocery store, a gas station, and a propane tank filling station. Quincy guesses around 95% of Lodgegrass is Native American, making him one of about four non-Native people. But his wife is Crow, and his children, Tayin and Amarel, are growing up as members of the tribe. Once he got out of high school, Quincy bounced between construction jobs in neighboring cities and towns. But in his early 20s, he bought some horses to ride and got really into horse racing. He started training a lot as a jockey. That meant keeping his weight down to stay eligible for races. And I started going around state. I went to North Dakota, all the way to Great Falls, and did all that. So I was in uh, Mile City, and I woke up at 4 o'clock. Man, I must have, like, exercised 27 horses, um, did a lot of great training and all that stuff. 27 horses, I'm done, and I'm trying to keep underweight. Like, I want first place. I want to be the best at what I'm doing. And that was the day that I actually became the worst at what I was doing. Quincy was running around the track in a sweatsuit. A fellow jockey walked up to him and told him if he came by his house later that night, he would show Quincy how to keep his weight down. And anyway, and then I took uh, my first line and it felt like someone stabbed me in the back of the ear with a knife. (laughs) And uh, anyway, so I was hooked for three months. And it was, uh, it was terrible. Family members come in and be like, Quince, you're like the life of the party. You're the funny guy. We miss you. What the heck is going on with you? And they just pulled me out of it. Quincy says his family spent a week with him, making sure he didn't get back into meth. Tiff, my wife, just... She went through some crazy stuff with it, you know, the whole thing, and then she just, yeah, she never backed down, she never let go. She 
was the one who really, the one that was saying, I was like, hey, I'm gonna go uh, check out my buddy. And she's like, no, you're not. And so there was a lot of times where, you know, I could have jumped back into it. When he finished up horse racing, he bounced around in sales, trying to make cash to support his family. He found every construction or carpentry job possible, learning all the skills he needed to build a house. But then he decided it was time to get on track with his goals. He wanted to become a heavy equipment operator. Uh, about 24, I turned 25, and I go to Kicking Horse, which is a job corps. And so I did heavy equipment there. It was a two-year program, so everything was like super slow, and I'm not a slow guy. So I went to the director, and I said, uh, I said, hey, man, I got kids. I just left a job that was making, you know, $14 an hour, 16 And I said, um, I'm not going to waste my time sitting around and watching VHS reruns of Die Hard, Die Hard 1, Die Hard 2. I was like, I'm here to learn. And he's like, you here to learn? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm here to learn. I'm section chief. Right off the bat, I made section chief. There's bay leader, section chief, and then dorm chief. And within three months of my nine months, I was a uh, dorm chief. We turned the whole dorm around. We never won on inspections for cleanup. And like the first two weeks I was dorm chief, I rallied everyone up, got everyone pumped up. And I was like, no more slacking. Come on, guys, we're going to get this place spick and span. And so we ended up winning and dorm four could never beat us after that until I left. And so, yeah, I finished the whole two year program in nine months. And then within that week, so I did the application to Sarpy and I get hired. And so uh, for the next 10 years, I'm a coal miner. And for those 10 years, Quincy was excelling at his job, being there for his family, and doing what he wanted to do. But he saw his hometown wasn't thriving like he was. So one day in 2015, he was fed up with seeing trash all over town. It was very trashy. Dorito bags, you know, deli, stuff like that. They would walk to IJ, and when they walked back, their trash didn't make it to their house. It was left on the ground. So I knew that if I could step in and I could have enough people that had my heart about caring for Lajagrass again, I could bring a light to that. So Quincy fired off a 20-minute video on Facebook talking about how he wanted to clean up Lodgegrass literally and figuratively. And people were into it, but he posted it in the middle of winter. So he had to keep up interest until May when he planned to have everyone come out. How's it going, friends, family, people I never even met before? How's everybody doing? Hope you're doing great. We got dates set. There's been a lot of planning since December. I got a map of Lodgegrass. I got everything drawn out. And if you just want to hang out and do cleanup, I got gloves, I got trash bags. You know, I'm bringing the love, man. We're just going to go in. We're going to love on algae. We're going to clean it up. That's from another Facebook video Quincy posted just a couple of weeks before the cleanup, energizing friends and community members to get excited about cleaning up the town. And when the day arrived, people were still pumped up about it. I got the whole team together and we started on the south end of town. And we did a grid style and we moved forward. 
and about 11 o'clock we stopped here. But he was doing more than just picking up trash and bagging it. Quincy looks at life in a deeply spiritual way, a result of reading the Bible and growing up listening to Crow elders talk about honoring traditions. Me, I am praying over the land for the people to be healed because uh, drugs came in and it took people's kids and it took people's grandkids away. Quincy asked the city for some cash to help with cleanup. He got $500 and bought hot dogs and hamburgers, hoping that more community members would show up and they could all just hang out. The school heard about what he was doing and asked him to come speak to the kids. Quincy and his crew cleaned up the rest of the town the next day, too. And from there, Quincy says he felt like he was starting to reinvigorate the people. He hosted it again the next year, and it got even bigger. And then by 2017, everyone was like, you just need to rent for mayor. And I was like, oh, I'm not a politician. And they're like, you don't have to be a politician. That's a great thing. Like, I had elders coming to me saying, the way you're loving the town, the way that you're moving to take care of the town, you could really do some really good stuff in the mayor office. So, research, research, research. Quincy was having an internal battle about whether it was a good choice to run, whether he was the right person or had enough skills to be a leader. His wife was also asking the same questions. Their pastor's words of support, saying he felt God was calling Quincy to do this, convinced them both that he should run. Next thing you know, my running partner was like, hey man, today's the last day for you to run as write-in. So we take off, and there I am as a write-in for mayor. And even though he isn't Crow, even though he was a last-minute write-in candidate, he won. Coming up, Mayor Quincy has to do more than just pick up trash in Lodgegrass. If you are liking what you're hearing, and actually, hey, even if you don't, we would love to hear about it. Take a moment right now to leave a rating or review on your podcast app. It'll help new listeners discover the modern West so that we can keep bringing you stories about the evolving identity of the American West. Hey, thanks, y'all. And I didn't know it was going to go this far. Um, I had the American dream. I was a coal miner. I made $75,000 a year. I built my own house wasn't a white picket fence, it was a chain link fence, but I had, I had it all. I had the job, um, man, I had the insurance, everything was there, my family was taken care of, but there was that knocking. When I first met Quincy, I was slightly confused. I didn't know mayors could wear cargo shorts during business hours. He has tattoos on his arms. We're about the same height, both on the short side, so it's hard for me to avoid his giant green eyes as we talk. As a person with big eyes myself, I'm wondering if this is how I make people feel all the time. That intensity Quincy is shooting at me with his eyes, his vision and excitement are all what got him the job. It's his whole aura. And while that's well and good, I'm unsure if that's enough to totally flip a town like an episode of Fixer Upper. That truth quickly faced Quincy. And I get in, and the truth, the absolute truth, is this place was a mess. (laughs) 
Quincy spent time from the election to when he take office studying Montana state law, Robert's rules of order, and God knows what else. So he rolls into his first city council meeting feeling prepared. The night he was getting sworn in. But right away, things are harder than he thought. So right off the bat, first night, six illegal things. So I'm just in audience right now. I'm not even a public official. It's January 6th. And uh, number one Montana State Code. If you have an emergency meeting, you'll have one agenda item. There was three on there. So they swear everyone in. And I'm sitting there and I literally heard this voice. How are you going to start out your mayorship? My heart was pounding and I was like, I need to address this. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it in the meeting. I did not address it in the meeting. I would have caused this big old, man, we would have been there forever. But I was like, you know what? This is not going to do any good for us. It's just going to bring up a whole bunch of negative stuff of the past. And I'm not going to live in the past. I'm going to look ahead into the future. So here we go. And it didn't get any easier over the next few months. I get in and no one's really talking to me. I don't get anywhere in my first two months. I have grants that hit the deadlines. They were gone. And so then there was just a bunch of illegal stuff that was going on. And this is just coming from a guy's perspective of I like my house clean. We do chores. I have like white laundry basket for white clothes. I have a black one for blacks, colors for colors. I try to, I'm, I just, my mind is strategic. Cleaning up an organization is what motivated Quincy to run. That's the foundation of his dreams for the town. Because to him, it's the start of a lot of healing this town has to do. Okay, solid waste is a little bit of a thorn in my side because there's a transfer station right across the tracks. It's outside my municipality. It's owned by the county commissioners. The county commissioners have shut that down and there's a lot to it. To Quincy, this is the future of the town. He's working on getting a grant that would allow the town to buy the transfer station from the county, then buy a garbage truck to ship the area's trash to the landfill in Hardin. With that plan, the town owns everything outright. The only cost would be upkeep. He wants to make deals with other small towns and the Crow Nation to also use the transfer station. This will only work for Lodgegrass because Solid Waste is not running. We have the opportunity to open it up for everybody. All I have to do is beef up my, my shipping to the landfill in Hardin, which is only a half hour away. So I can take, over, I can take care of Wyola. Now, a lot of lodgegrass in Wyoming dumps in Wyala, and they end up getting burned. So they, they'll just go through, and they'll, they'll burn to keep everything down. You, you're seeing that in Crow. Well, here's the thing with burning solid waste. We all know that's super unhealthy. You have no clue what's in there. And you're breathing that stuff in. That's not good. So I want to stop that. If Quincy can get that grant and make those deals, it will generate cash for the city. He thinks with that, and some more grants, he can afford to get a police officer. Having a cop means they can get new buildings and people won't break in. And it just gets the ball rolling on everything else he wants to do in town. Everything orderly, neat, and tidy. Just the way he likes it. 
Quincy says that basic level of safety, just getting a cop back in town, is sometimes hard for people to wrap their heads around. Quincy told me he's been approached by generous benefactors who want to help Lodgegrass, but they don't understand how much need there is for the most basic stuff most places take for granted. And so I've been asked the question, what would you do with a million bucks? Man, law enforcement right off the bat. And, but they're like, well, we don't really want to throw into a law enforcement. And I, and, and, I, and I get it. If I had money, you know, I would want to do something for the kids. But the point is, if I want to build something where there is no law enforcement, then what I'm going to build is nine times out of ten going to be broken into. And the money that I put into developing it, it's going to go out. I wasted money. So I want to see something that's going to last, um, you know, institution. I want to see something that's going to impact the kids the way that the family cafe, the uh, cozy corner impacted me for my memories. So no more memories of, yeah, we just cruise because there's nothing to do and mom and dad were high all the time and whatever. While other mayors in different cities and towns can say they want to tackle big ideas like poverty and crime and economic diversification. Quincy's plans might seem a little simplistic, like his dangerous tree problem. Now, this is what people laughed at me about when I first got in. Oh, yeah, lodge grass mayor's worried about trees. Okay, well, this last, <laughs> this last winter and this last storm we had, I had a cotton tree that had four coming out from the base wiped the whole block out. Luckily, no one was living in the trailer. It's just right here. We can go take pictures of it. It hit the trailer twice and demolished it. You can't live in it no more. The other two, um, you know, just wreaked havoc on the land itself. I tell Quincy we are definitely going to take pictures of it. The scene is at the other end of the block from City Hall. We leave his office and walk over. There's still two massive tree trunks plopped into the center of the lot. The trees crushed through the trailer, like when you crush a beer can when you're done with it. The owner's stuff is still hanging out the sides. They'll salvage the tin and copper from the trailer, and that money will go into a reserve fund for the city that goes to fix sidewalks and curbs. And then along with the fire department, Quincy will burn down what's left of the trailer, so that some kids don't burn it down first. It's pretty evident from the short stroll through town that trees are terrorizing this community. Quincy points at the offenders planted all along the sidewalks down the street. Mostly cottonwoods. Very, very tall cottonwoods, and that's kind of what I'm uh, aiming towards, like this one. Yeah, that's a good uh, 125, 150 feet. It's not going to be fun when it comes down. <laughs> From what I was told, that the cottonwoods were planted. Um, I guess you want to say strategically. And I guess they just didn't really think of what would happen. Quincy offers me a tour of town. And while we drive, he's showing me all the small little projects he's working on, like speed bumps and a new sidewalk for kids to walk safely down the hill from school. Quincy points to the edge of the road next to the side of the hill, just around a curve. Obviously, it's dangerous for kids to be walking around with cars speeding by. So tomorrow I'll come with my bobcat and I'll level everything out. Oh, this is tomorrow's job? 
Yeah. Tomorrow's job. Yep. It feels like you are not only the mayor, but also like a maintenance person, <clears throat> the cleanup crew. Yep. <laughs> you have five jobs within right. your one job. Yeah. I I found myself in my tie and my shiny shoes and I had to jump in the backhoe when I got back from a meeting and my church was like, hey, maintenance guy had to take off and but they need this done so I jumped in the backhoe and started working in it and then I realized I looked and I was like 10 years of operating heavy equipment and here I am in a backhoe with my tie on <laughs> I never thought that would happen <laughs> as we drive Quincy spots everyone walking around throwing out a whistle or a shout in their direction hey how are you doing Baby is healthy and growing. What's up, buddy? That's awesome. You need anything over there? You good? Okay. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Quincy eventually leads me to his house. It's on a street of immaculately manicured lawns. His handiwork. He gives me a tour of the house, and then we sit down outside on his step to talk. Quincy has another job at home, too. Uh, when you were in there, did you see the machine? So that tiny machine is for home hemo. And so I have to hook her up. Um, this box behind you is sugar water. Two, uh, two 5,000 milliliter bags. Five go on for 25.0 milliliters and yeah you have to go for training and how to hook her up so I hook her up six times a week Quincy tells me in 2007 his wife Tiffany's kidneys failed they've been through a kidney transplant and another kidney failure it's been tough but he describes how they found comfort in their faith trusting that it's supposed to be this way and that it will all work out one day. Faith is what he falls back on in times of stress. Quincy says around eight other people in town share the same vision with as much intensity as he has, that they're all working together to figure out how to make this a town a place they want to be, where they want their children to grow up. It's a lot for a small group of people to take on. And taking charge in the way Quincy has, putting himself in the public eye, is a lot to handle. Almost overwhelming. Like when you first start a big puzzle. But I think Quincy knows to some extent what he's gotten himself into. And for the people who are in public office, I get it. We get in there, we got all this fire, and we're ready to go, and it soon dies out. So being a visionary, quote unquote, if you would like, you need to wake up in the morning and realize what is it that I'm actually doing for this public office that I have? Where am I at? Have I been swindled? Has money been slipped under the table to me like it tried to happen here? You have to understand that there's generations that you're going to affect. There's kids that aren't even born yet that you're going to affect. So I need to keep my eye on the vision of what I said Lodgegrass can be. And it can be that thriving community once again. 
Quincy wants to put in the work for his hometown. He's willing to be challenged. He wants this town to heal and wants to show it the way out of what it's in. But remember, Lodgegrass is on the reservation. It's a Native American community. A lot of who and what this community is is intrinsically swirled in Crow history and culture. I've heard a lot of Crow Nation leaders have come from Lodgegrass. It's made plenty of leaders, so I'm wondering how Quincy handles being a white leader in a Native space. I asked myself that, and the answer that I was answered (laughs) was I grew up with integrity. Man, I was holding open doors. I was taking out groceries. I earned the respect. And I wasn't even trying. That's just, I was just young dude, young kid living my life and just being nice to elders. Um, I knew to respect my elders. And as I grew up, everyone knew Quincy is, is a good man. He's a good kid. And I got that a lot. I got it quite a bit. I'm not sure Quincy fully answers all of the nuances in my question. He might not entirely connect what he's doing with the long history of white saviors trying to solve complex problems of historical trauma on reservations. He's the mayor of Lodgegrass because that's what life just put in front of him and he reached out to grab it. He's dealt with this responsibility by earning respect from elders and not turning his back on what other people can't bear to face. He shows up. To me, it almost seems like Quincy is chasing nostalgia and romanticizing days that just don't exist anymore. Small rural towns, especially out west, are struggling to stay alive. I don't know whether to admire or nitpick with Quincy's dedication to preserving that identity. Some parts of me think his vision of lodgegrass is trapped in amber. But for him, it's not a bad thing to be rooted in the past. That's what I want to see. I want to see these people thrive. I want to see these people happy again. I want to see this community, a community again, through unity, actually caring about your neighbor. But how much time does he have to give himself over to this to make 15 cents an hour? Um, 8 to 12. Years? I mean, I would probably be here for 30. But... <laughs> I wouldn't mind being here for 30, but if it has to be 30 years, it would be 30 years. The look I am giving Quincy in that moment is probably a lot of eyeballs staring at him with some serious apprehension. I've never lived in a place longer than eight years. I never know how to answer the where are you from question, but Quincy's answer is always lodge grass. I know Quincy loves this community with his whole heart. Crime, poverty, trash, and all. But he is allowed to have dreams bigger than this quarter-mile-by-quarter-mile town. But you know what? I wouldn't mind, uh, Governor. Governor of Montana? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of different ideas there. But, I, uh, wow, you know, I'm a guy that accomplishes something and then moves on because I'm like, all right, I mastered this. Not necessarily mastered it, but I get it. I understand the, the functions of it, and then I move on. That's why I've done so many different things in my life. So government is the first thing where I'm like, wow, there's a lot to learn and understanding how things function. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to, 
to running a government. So. Imagine what you could do with the, bu- the state budget of Montana. Wow. Quincy told me later that a couple of people who are from Lodgegrass decided to buy the cozy corner lot. He worked with them and the woman who owns the land to strike a deal. Quincy says she's a sweet woman, but she's a tough negotiator. And in the end, she settled and they're working on transferring ownership right now. They plan to rebuild it to its former and new glory. That story was reported by Catherine Wheeler. You can see the cozy corner and that photo of the tree smashed onto the trailer and another of Quincy in his cargo shorts, all at our website, wyomingpublicmedia.org. While you're there, find out how to subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. My hometown and lots of others in the West could probably learn a thing or two from Lodgegrass. Like... Don't worry about the big things until you've made your town a place you want to live again. And that it's the overlooked things, like bringing back your candy shop or your sheriff, that give you a place to start. Next time on the show, we sit down at the kitchen table with coal lifers, miners who worked in the industry all their life. Where we were once highly respected, we're now seen as undereducated, overpaid, it's that has been the hardest part for me. What we're missing about coal country. I'm Melody Edwards. Aaron Jones and Evan O'Neill helped produce this show. Our theme music is by Screen Door Porch. The Modern West is a production of Wyoming Public Media. One of our goals is to get a dialogue flowing about the stories that we're telling. We're hoping that you'll join the conversation. So connect with us on social media and let us know what your thoughts are, whether you agree with what you're hearing or not. We're at Modern West Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's Modern West Pod.